0: welcome back to the in the blues tone podcast my name's shane it's june the 7th 2019 we've got a lot to cover today and if you're watching on youtube i'll put all the time codes down in the description below you can also find the entire podcast on itunes and also over at in the blues where you can listen for free there in audio form as well so with all that out of the way i just got some pretty sad news from a couple of different sources i was on YouTube and I hit my subscription button and Brett Kingman's videos came up. I was like, oh, he's posted a Dr. John song. I was like, it's kind of strange. So I, I clicked on it and it said RIP Dr. John. I was like, oh man, this was huge for me. Like Dr. John was one of my biggest influences of not only listening to great music, but he was also one of the catalysts for me wanting to learn how to play more on, on electric guitar, even though he was a keyboard player, piano player, he started off as a guitarist before he got shot in the knee, <laughs> and then he started playing uh, piano, and the rest is history, you know, one of the greatest and most unique musicians of all time. You know, uh, going back to 1999 was the first time I actually heard him. Uh, I was working at my first job at a surf company, and they used to play a nationalized uh, uh, radio station, or national syndicated, is that how you say it? Um, radio station called Triple J, And it was like the odd song out, (laughs) which was like, I'm like, this is great. And it was a song off the Anutha Zone album by Dr. John, which I went out and bought as soon as I knew who it was. So uh, it was weird. They were playing like Beastie Boys and Foo Fighters and all this kind of stuff. And then Dr. John came on. I'm like, this guy sounds nothing like anything else that was on the radio. And I hadn't really heard anything like it. It was kind of bluesy. It was kind of swampy. It was kind of just chilled, but cool. The guy's voice was unlike anything I'd heard up until that point. So, you know, Dr. John was just fantastic. I was working with a guy and uh, he was uh, maybe 20 years older than me. And he goes, I got an album of his you're going to love. And he actually gave me one of his uh, CDs called The Night Tripper. So this was basically one of the first things that got me into Dr. John. I heard the bass line on Black John the Conqueror, which is the first song on this album. And I was hooked and I went, this guy is just super funky. Now, some of it is just bizarre. Like some of Dr. John's music is just so out there and that's what kind of makes it awesome as well. I even like more of his commercial stuff as well that he did like on A New For Zone and some of his other albums after that as well. But they all retained such a unique sound that not a lot of other people were doing and I just think that's fantastic. So it's a huge loss to the the music industry. Um, One of my best friends and I, we went to see him live and it was awesome. It was like, Musicality that I'd never seen up until that point like no kidding. It was it was unbelievable. His band It's just something else You know, it was the first time where the rhythm section would come out And just blow you away before You know doc even got down and played the piano, you know He'd he'd walk out after the band had already kicked it off My friend and I are looking at each other going it's the best rhythm section we've ever heard you know, I've seen some really great acts, like James Brown is another one that I. his band were just super cool. But Dr. John's probably in my memory of one of the best shows I've ever seen. And he had his American band here in Australia, and it was something else. And I think, you know, his rhythm section have worked with like Aretha Franklin and a whole lot of, lot of other people over the years as well. So I, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure like they worked with a lot of big name artists and they were like just unbelievably good. And you know it was it was like sixty five bucks, which is really cheap here in Australia to go see a band. This was going back a long time too, but it was just such a, an amazing experience to to see not only the musicality, but just how much he dug Plant, you know. And it got me into you know buying his DVDs and uh, all that kind of stuff. And like I said, I, while I play guitar, um, some of my favorite non music, non guitar music. Is Dr. John. It's not guitar focused, you know. I've got him on my wall right behind here as well. I've had him on the wall since I think the posters went up. Um yeah, so I thought what I'd do is just go over some of the albums and songs that I I really think are worth checking out. Like there's so much good stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through a couple of these. I reckon this album is fantastic. Trippin' Live, if you get a chance to have a listen to this, just just stream it or buy it or whatever. It's a fantastic album. It's got some of the funkiest live songs ever yeah it's there's just so much good stuff on here the whole album's pretty much great but wild honey is a great tune renegade man there's just so much good stuff on this album and he actually busts out some guitar on here as well so if you haven't heard him play guitar it's definitely a good one this was another one that completely um just broadened my horizons musically listening to this this was a, a cover album of uh, duke Allington's songs. It's called Duke. Duke. Elegant. Elegant. Yeah, there you go. I said it right that time. It's an awesome album, man. I think he's got the definitive version of "I'm Gonna Go Fishing." This album is drum and bass heavy, in terms of just straight up funk grooves, locking in the pocket grooves, man. There's nothing quite like this. Highly recommend that album. And another one that's of more recent times. I got way more albums than this, by the way um yeah i just grabbed a handful out of the cd rack <laughs> and i didn't go through my car which i know i've got some more in but this one here creole moon have a listen to this um there's a song right at the end called one two am's too many and it's such an awesome tune you know what i may actually leave a, i might put a spotify playlist together and i'll link it down below if it works that way as well and you can check it out but uh yeah this particular album it's just a great combination of all the good stuff so yeah, a couple of other my favorite things as well. What I'll do, I'll link a, a video up in the cards. I, I love that he worked with other musicians as well. There's a really great couple of jams he's done with Eric Clapton, which are some of my favorites. Another another really great memory I have of of Doc was on the Stevie Ray Vaughan tribute DVD. It's also a CD and you hear him talking and he's like, boo, he's got the bassiest voice you've ever heard and the funkiest talking voice which translates into one of the funkiest singing voices, you know, like a lot of people sort of, I don't know if they appreciated his vocal as much (laughs) as what some of my, I do. And a couple of my friends do as well. He had a raspy voice. It was very different. He had a really thick accent, uh, and it was just awesome stuff. So yeah, I'll leave some links in the cards here. You can watch them before you watch the rest of the podcast and, and soak it up. But, uh, yeah, sad day, man. It's a sad day. Dr. John, uh, one of my favorites, rest in peace, brother. Up next, I thought I'd have a quick discussion about using the Kemper Profiling Amplifier in a live situation, and then I'll also show you some live clips as well. So I've got some mixed feelings about using it and I don't think I'll ever be taking it to a gig again and I'm gonna explain why. Now, this won't relate to anyone who's a proper touring musician who has a sound guy and great fallback speakers at every gig and you know who can hear everything. So I'm gonna get into some of this as well. But the biggest criticisms I have of it are this, the input jack is on the lower right-hand side. Now, if you don't have this off the floor, you still run the risk, even if it is off the floor, of having someone stand on your lead and then sort of breaking or bending the lead inside the unit. Now, I actually had the unit on the floor. I went looking for a hard case for it. I couldn't find one shallow enough. There were lots of really deep ones, but they were just too big. So I ended up just taking it in a soft bag and putting it on the floor. What was right next to the floor, or right next to the stage, I should say, was a fireplace. And I thought to myself, oh no, I'm gonna run the risk of cooking this thing. So I had to keep moving it back further. And I became really paranoid about having something worth as much as the Kemper Profiling Amplifier, sitting on the floor and every time one of the bandmates got on and off stage, and I apologize guys, I said to him, watch, watch the lead, watch the lead, <laughs> you know, because I was so paranoid about just accidentally, you know, getting into a solo and taking one step in the wrong spot and then, you know, bending or breaking the Kemper or the input jack or something. So it's a really finicky system like that. I, I, I'd i be, I'm way too paranoid to take it out of the house. I don't think I'll be taking it out ever again and, and using it live unless I've got really controlled conditions and I'm using a wireless pack and all that kind of stuff. But Another huge criticism I have of it, it was on the floor. You know, I'm not a tall guy, but if I look down and something doesn't happen when I click the foot switch, I'm like, how can I see what's going on? So you have to basically crouch down and and face it parallel to see the screen. Now in a well lit room, or if it's you know a desk height where it is right now, just off camera here, it's easy to see. But when you have it at floor level and it's tiny, it's really, really awkward to see. Now, my friend had the equivalent of the Joyo American Sound Pedal on the floor, and that was just extremely easy to dial in to change things. You could look down and turn something. And in the mix, in the mix, there's not a huge difference between using pedals, his pedal board, and one of those Joyo American Sound Pedals, for example, and using the Kemper. The Kemper sounded great through my studio monitors. I got it to the gig. Now, supposedly, which it did in the end, the front of house sounded fine i didn't know that i was struggling i had a, a fallback with a blown tweeter that's what we had and my friend was smart enough to bring one of his own uh powered monitors i thought nah the house one will be fine so i plugged into that i couldn't hear anything i was playing i was just hoping <laughs> and, I, and, and i could hear a little bit but it was a muffled mess and i was so paranoid that out the front that's what everybody was hearing everyone's like man the guitar tone's great wow what, what have you done one thing I've worked out is that digital stuff responds very differently in, in a PA system over analog stuff. It just does. That sounds like a finely tuned recording, which is essentially what it is, versus maybe a bit more of that analogness that comes with a Joyo American sound pedal. I'm not saying that that setup sounds better than the Kemper, but it's more practical at a gig where you just. I probably should have thought about it more and just have taken that pedal instead of the Kemper. But I was kind of thinking, ah, maybe it's going to waste just using it for videos. Maybe I should be using it more. So we plugged direct to the PA. And I got to tell you, I think the response and the way that the analog pedals sounded and performed outclassed the Kemper. I didn't have any other pedals going into it. I just had the foot switch and I had the expression pedal and I got some really great tones out the front. But, you know, being still able to stack your your overdrives and distortion pedals into You know, an analog amp, which was the American sound pedal, for example, was just, it was better. It was absolutely better. And if uh, my friend Brian needed to adjust anything, he'd look down and turn the pot. None of this sort of like get crouching down, trying to fiddle through stuff. It was just better. So now I don't have to worry about like taking the Kemper out again. I'm just going to take the American sound pedal or the reverb pedal and my pedal board. Done. And that will go direct to PA and it should sound just as good or, you know, the difference is don't outweigh the the practicality so I don't think I'll ever be taking the Kemper out to another gig if I need to play direct to the PA system I'm going to be using the joyo American sound or something similar like that just because it's easy I can take my pedalboard and get that response that I wasn't really getting out of the kemper I know that's crazy and a lot of people will say well why don't you buy you know like a powered speaker box for it you know one of those um, amp box things you can buy for for anything like that I'm like well I might as well just take an amplifier that that's the way I'm looking at it I want to save space I don't have room for a cab on this particular stage it's really a tiny stage so what I'll do I'll show you some footage from this particular gig I think I'll probably show you a clip of my friend Dom and I he sat in for a few tunes just for something a little bit different he's a great player and you saw him on one of the live shows or live gigs that I posted a couple of months back now I got to do another one of those so here we go it's next we're going to have a chat about inexpensive guitars and some misconceptions about them and why I feel right now is the best time to buy an inexpensive guitar ever. Back when I first started playing we didn't have you know we had maybe a tenth of the options that we do now in terms of inexpensive guitars and inexpensive guitars that also play well. Sure there's lots of cheap junk out there no doubt about that and I'm not going to defend any of that stuff there is a lot of junk when it comes to music gear But if you look and shop around for stuff that's, you know, tried and tested and stuff that people, you know, generally, the general consensus should be any inexpensive guitar out there should still play well. It should sound good and it should be able to allow you to do anything creatively on the guitar that you would on any of your other instruments, even if they're more expensive. Now, not everybody can go out and spend, you know, a thousand dollars or $500 or two grand or four grand on a guitar. You know, that's, that's a lot of money, right? So if you're a beginner or an intermediate player and you're looking for a different sound, There's plenty of great options out there, you know, over the years, if you've been a long-term subscriber to the channel, you've seen, I've traveled a lot. I've also bought a lot of guitars here locally. Some are $150. They played great. They sounded good. They had no problems with, you know, any amount of overdrive. I threw at them, I took them out and I played them live. And you know what? It made no difference to my playing. It didn't hinder my playing. It didn't give me any compromise in terms of tone. It sounded fine. Like I said before, not every guitar like that or inexpensive guitar out there is going to be able to give you that. But there's lots of great guitars. It doesn't matter whether it's something like a low-end Epiphone or a Yamaha Pacifica or a Harley Benton or a Chinese-made Tokai guitar. These are just some examples of inexpensive guitars that are still great. Even Squires, you know, stuff like that. I've owned two Classic Vibes. One of them I purchased in the U.S. when, uh, well, I think maybe when they first came out, it was 350 bucks. And I went out that night and I played it live and it was great. It made no difference to my playing. It inspired me to play. I didn't feel like I was sacrificing anything in terms of feel or playability, which brings me to my point. If you can find a guitar that's inexpensive, I don't care what the brand is, there's no need to really go out and get anything else. Now, if you can go out there and find a guitar that ticks those three boxes, playability, meaning, you know, are you able to do everything you would normally do on it in comparison to any other guitar, more expensive guitar, all that kind of stuff, that's number one. Two is the second one is also very important. Just the tone of it. it doesn't handle overdrive and dirt. If you, some cheap guitars, if you throw a distortion pedal on it, the pickups might squeal because they might not be waxed, right? So there's things like that you've got to look out for. And just make sure the overall craftsmanship is pretty good. Make sure there's no high frets or anything. Just double check those. You know, I've had a chance to play hundreds of guitars over the last five years and hardly any of them have been bad. And I don't get paid to promote any of the gear that's on the channel, so for me, I, I just, I give you my opinion and I got to tell you the Harley Benton stuff that we've taken out and played live recently made no difference to our playing. And I say our because Dr. Rick and I both took them out and had some fun. So I thought it might be fun to show you some footage of this and I will do it in a second, but I just wanted to sort of just go over one more thing with you. You could spend three, five or $10,000 on an electric guitar, but that's not where the tone actually starts from. You might be thinking, what? It starts with having a good amp but more importantly, it starts with the hands. One thing I've learned over the years in testing some of these guitars out in the live mix, it really made no difference. When I found, you know, like those SX guitars, I took them out and played them live, and it made no difference to my playing. They sounded great. They sounded like any of my other guitars, which was, you know, a, sh- a shock and a bit of a shame in some ways as well. Sure, they might have some, you know, little bits and pieces that aren't quite up to the standard of the more expensive guitars but if you're traveling or you just want to get started with electric guitar there's so many great options right now there really really is if i were if i had some of these options when i first started playing i definitely would have picked up the cst 24t over something like you know my my original squire which was a great guitar but yeah it's not even close the standard has gotten better i'd love to hear your thoughts on this but right now i'm going to show you a couple of clips from the jam and you can see what you think of Dr. Rick playing the CST-24T with the P90s. And I've got the humbucker. So let's do it. So back about six or eight months ago, I made a huge mistake. I sold something I shouldn't have sold. And at the time, I needed to cover some expenses. There was no way out of it. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to flip it. But I also want to share with you not only what I got again, but one that I think might be even better when it comes to pedals. I'm not 100% certain on this yet. You're going to see a shootout with a few different Maxon overdrives or, you know, Tube Scream esque pedals coming up. Uh, and yeah, Maxon were the first originators of this particular circuit. You know, for those who don't know, an Ibanez Tube Screamer was a rebranded Maxon pedal. So, for you know, food for thought. So the pedal that I I really missed uh, and I was sort of on the fence about getting rid of it and I I had to get another one was this, the Maxon Overdrive Pro. Now, if you're just listening to this on iTunes, you might be able to see it. But head over to YouTube and you can watch it there is this one. This big green monster, the Overdrive Pro, this thing rocks, man. I had a chance to play this straight into my Fender amp with no other pedals, and it was amazing. It sounded really, really good. I can't believe I sold it. And I think what makes this one different, other than the size, it's got a bit more of a transparent sort of Overdrive vibe, which is a term thrown around that I think maybe gets overused to some extent. But one of the cool things about it is if you have the gain pot down past about 9 o'clock, like almost off, The pedal actually becomes a volume boost. That's really handy sometimes as well. But if you crank it up, it sounds great. So it kind of does what the Klon does in a way. It's got that internal uh, voltage doubling. So you get a very different sort of sound with this one as you would a conventional Tube Screamer. The conventional Tube Screamer or Maxon OD808 is a great pedal as well. Um, But I had a chance to test one of these out in a live situation as well. And it was killer. Uh, here's, the, <laughs> here's the other one right here. That's the Maxon OD808. That's the the sort of like original, not, not the old one, but uh, you know, like a new version of the original. This is unbelievable. So for those who missed it, I did a, a video regarding um, the best clean pedal platform, uh, Fender or, or Marshall. And I really liked the Marshall. So I thought I'm gonna take this out and try it with the Marshall. <laughs> I was absolutely loving it. I, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. I thought maybe this might not be quite as good as the Overdrive Pro, but it is absolutely a little monster. Look at this thing. It's got a real valve in there. My camera might not be focusing properly on it. I'll put some overlay shots. Um, essentially, this is the Tod Nine. So this has an actual like mini valve on the inside. And sometimes these kind of pedals, the valve is a bit weird. But if you leave that circuit off you basically got it, you know, one of these, you've got one of these OD808s when you start bringing in the, the tube drive, it's kind of like what the supersonic amp does from Fender, that burn channel, the second gain stage just gives you more. And it is awesome. This is a leave on pedal. You could leave this on and just play. And that's what I did. So I set up the crunch channel with just a hair again on the Marshall. I took it out and played it live and it was absolutely singing so i'm going to show you a quick clip of how that sounds through my marshall uh no other effects i think i might have had a delay on in the effects loop but no other actual dirt pedals on the floor i gotta tell you i can't wait to do a video of this the the tod9 i'll leave some links in the description you can check this one out this this is pretty cool and they've actually kind of like ripped off the youtube font on the front (laughs) i don't know how they got away with that but Maxon make great stuff and it brings me back to a very similar point to what I was just talking about with these inexpensive guitars if you find one that ticks all the boxes you're going to be sorted I really feel like that with pedals too take any one of these three or any one of my main pedal board pedals use them live and it's going to make very little difference to my tone I'm still going to try and dial in the sound that's in my head Uh, this (laughs) this just made it really easy I as soon as I, I started dialing in that second circuit i thought this is great i didn't even test it at home i just took it out and played it live uh and that's the test if i could get it to work live it's a good pedal i have a feeling i'm going to like it more than this which which is kind of strange but stay tuned if you're a subscriber to the channel i'm going to do a sh- like an epic maxon overdrive shootout with very similar pedals as well i'm going to show you how they sound in the context of a mix and then on their own and the differences and you know what what i might be hearing in the room but uh yeah, the TOD9 might be one of my new favorites. Uh, yeah, I'm going to definitely be taking this out again, and hopefully we'll get some uh, better footage as well. So yeah, I'll show you a quick quick clip and you can listen to this and see what you think. <laughs> Up next, I wanted to have a chat about the results of my shootout on the clean pedal platform amplifier test between the Blues Deluxe Reissue amplifier and the DSL 40 from Marshall. You can see the uh, Marshall down here and the Blues Deluxe is right behind me. So both of those amplifiers I've kind of customized with my own speaker. The DSL has the Texas Heat And the Swamp Thing from Eminence is in the Blues Deluxe. Both great speakers. Both are a huge upgrade, in my opinion, and with my ear (laughs) on those amplifiers. So if you have either and you're not 100% happy with the sound, try one of those two speakers. I'll link them below. So one of the cool things is I put a poll up on that video that I did and lots and lots of people voted. I was shocked at the amount of people. So thank you so much. It's really cool. That video kind of reached a few people as well, which was great. So the first test was with the Maxon Overdrive Pro, the OD820 on both amplifiers. I said which one sounds better with the Maxon? And 61% of people said the Fender. 21% of people said the Marshall. And I liked them both. Got 16%. I would have to agree with the Overdrive Pro, the Fender. It had just it just had it was a special combination. It really sounded great. And I've used that combination live since. And it's been fantastic. So up next, I tried both amplifiers with a pedal that I'd never used up until that point. I thought I'd go rogue with a new one. This is the Keeley Super Fat Mod Overdrive. It's a really nice sounding pedal. I actually preferred it on the Marshall, but that got even split right down the middle. 40% of people like the Marshall, 40% of people like the Fender. So this is all subjective stuff. There's no right or wrong either. I just preferred the Marshall. I thought it handled the bottom end better. Um, and the remaining percentage, like 20% or whatever, uh, liked them both, which I thought was really cool also. The third pedal I tested with both amplifiers was this Fee Sound Overzoid, which is a great overdrive yet again. There's so many great overdrives out there. I just picked three random ones. They're on my desk. I'm like, let's use these. So 38% of the people liked it with the Marshall. 41% liked it with the Fender. And I liked them both, got 19%. So that tells me that, you know, an even split basically people liked both, which is how I was hearing it as well. i got to say, overall, I think the Marshall to my ear just handled the bottom end a little bit better. I could have probably have dialed the amp back a little bit on the Fender. But uh, yeah, there's something to be said about how the Marshalls handle the low end. And it, I think it's also a misconception that 6L6 output valves in these amps sound bigger than the EL34s in the Marshall. A lot of people... And I've said this for years. It's, there's a clear difference between six you know, L6s and six V6s. You know, think of a something like a deluxe reverb and then put it up against the Hot Rod Deluxe. You know, the Hot Rod has just got a wall of sound behind the clean, right? But the Marshall's very similar to that. It has a very similar kind of feel. It's got that big, chunky sound, but it handled the low end better, at least at the volumes in this room. Now I had them absolutely cranked. If you missed this video, I'll leave it up in the cards and you can check it out as well. It's probably worth a watch. I don't think there's one that's really better than the other, but with the pedals that I chose, you know there's really nothing to stop you from using either. And I'm glad I've got both because sometimes you want to go to that fender sound. there's nothing like it. It's smooth, it's glassy, it's dynamic, it feels good, you know it's got that big punch as well. Then you want something like the Marshall that you don't even need pedals with, right? I, I just play that amp only on the drive channel normally with a volume boost if i need it or with this which was the first time i tried an overdrive in it but you don't really need overdrive pedals in it but you can get a really great pedal platform sound out of a marshall amp no questions about it if you haven't tried it you own a marshall or if you do let me know in the comments as well let me know your thoughts thanks again for everyone who voted it was a really great video in terms of its response with everybody so thank you so much and yeah i'll try something else like that coming up down the track. I thought I'd give you a little bit of a channel update about what's coming up and what I've got planned and all that kind of stuff. So Guitar Search Saturday has kind of stopped for the moment. I don't have any more in editing. I will do some more of those coming up, but they're they're a huge job and I want to do them right. So when I get around to filming more, you'll see more on the channel, but I'm going to give it a break. So you won't see probably another episode for a month or, or so, something like that anyway. I've got a few shops that I definitely want to go around and film at. I've got a gimbal now as well, which is going to be awesome. So the footage should look super smooth. I actually have a brand new series of videos that I'm, I really want to get out there. I think uh, this is going to be fun and unique as well. So hopefully I can get those sorted out. I do need some help with the filming. So I've, I'm going to see if I can get one of my friends in to help with that because uh, she's good with the camera as well and I just need someone I can trust with the gear as well so she's yeah if it all works out well I'll drop her some bucks she can film this it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be out of the house finally which will be good I spend way too much time in this room (laughs) and in my editing room over in the next room so yeah this particular room man I tell you what after you shoot hundreds of videos in it you just want to go do something else and I, I thought what can I do out of the house and I've come up with a really great idea for a series of videos so stay tuned for those I've spoken about that or hinted at it at the start. I don't even wanna give it away. It's gonna be unique, much like Guitar Search Saturday was, and hopefully even more enjoyable. So what else is coming up on the channel? So we were talking about some pedals before. I'm actually gonna start doing more pedal videos again. Not all the time, but just, I've had a lot turn up at once of stuff I really wanted to try out. And this is the stuff that I'm gonna spread out over the next two months. So you might see one or two pedal videos going up a week. the things that I really wanted to try, some of it is budget gear, and some of it is higher-end gear. I've had a million requests for Keely pedals over the last, I don't know how many years. Everyone's like, have you have you tried this? Have you tried that? I'm like, no. So I actually emailed Robert Keely. I don't often email anybody. They, they usually just contact the channel because it's big enough. They say, hey, do you want to try this? It's either a yes or a no from me. Like, no, I'm not interested. Or, oh, yeah, I'll try that. So I spoke to Robert via email, and uh, it was a great... uh it was a great opportunity for me to do a couple of pedals. He said, uh, pick a few. So I gave him a list of five. I said, I don't expect them all, but uh, you know, even if you want to send two or three out, that'd be fine. So I got three that I was really interested in trying. I've got the Keely compressor, which is supposed to be iconic. I can't wait to plug that in and give it a go. Now you may have already seen the super fat mod uh, video or, or the super fat mod on the channel on the amp shootout video that I did, but you haven't actually seen that video. That'll be up, I think this weekend as of I'm going to try and upload this tonight. So you'll see that video Saturday, Melbourne, Australia time. And I got the Omni Reverb, which is the way reverb pedals should be made, in my opinion. I haven't tried it yet, right? But I like the concept of it. And I haven't tried the compressor either, but I like the concept of that. The reason I like the Omni Reverb so much, just by looking at it. Two controls and a three-way toggle switch. I'm going to insert some applause right there. That's how reverb pedals should be. I think, you know, the more controls some of these pedals have... You know, I'm am a four I'm a four four control limit kind of guy normally. I like more controls than four. You know, Dr. Rick got me onto that. He said to me ages ago, the more control something has, the harder it is to get it to sound good. And I, I'm like, you're right. There's so many pedal manufacturers out there that put three band EQs on everything. Like, do you, do you really need a three band EQ on every pedal? I, I just don't think so. Um, So the simple stuff is usually the easiest to get a great sound out of. And that's what I'm i got my fingers crossed that the Omni Reverb going to be the, you know, going to be awesome. So yeah, huge thanks to Robert Keeley for sending those out. I've got some stuff also from Greenchild that's turned up, which is an American company as well. They make some really great stuff as well as Fee Sound. And I haven't done any Fee Sound stuff now for quite some time. I'm looking forward to that. And you'll also see some Donner pedals coming up also if you like the budget gear. And one of them is unbelievable. I shot the video today as of filming this and it's one of the most fun Distortion pedals. It'll be the second one that you see. It is unreal. So I I highly urge you to check that that pedal out just in terms of tone. Even if you don't like uh distortion, it was so much fun playing it and you could tell I was enjoying it. So uh yeah, there's definitely gonna be more pedals coming back up on the channel. I don't want to get in the habit of doing just pedal demos again, and I don't plan on that. I'm still gonna mix in other content and keep the channel kind of you know interesting. Too much of one thing kind of shot me in the foot a long time ago. That's why I started mixing it up and the channel's grown really well since. So yeah, we're going to still do some pedal videos, but they're the pedals that I want to try. I say no to so much stuff. (laughs) I get emails all the time. Hey, do you want to try this? Hey, do you want to try that? I'm like, why would I need like, I get uh, some of the emails are hilarious. I'll go over them one day and just go through my emails with you on, on camera and show you some of the weird requests I get to do videos on this channel. And I'm like, did you even watch any of my videos? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's pretty funny what you get offered once the channel gets to a certain size. It's kind of crazy. But, you know, I'm thankful that uh, Robert Keeley wanted to send this stuff out. Green Child stuff is always great as well. We're going to be doing some Maxon videos. And the Totally Wicked audio video will be up not long as well after this. So, yeah, stay tuned. We've got some pretty cool pedal stuff coming up. Once I get on top of all of filming and I get them all scheduled into next month, then I can start doing some bigger projects and hopefully this new project will come up pretty soon. So stay tuned. So that wraps up the in the blues tone podcast for the 7th of June, 2016. So for those who don't know or don't care, I'm going to say this anyway, I turned 40 a couple of days ago and uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shock to the system. You know, I was kind of, this is the first birthday that I was anticipating. You know, uh, it's weird. I've never really cared too much for my own birthday. I did something for my 21st i think that was the last time i i did anything in terms of uh, having a party but you know we ended up having some fun i went out with my family for lunch and then later on in the day uh dr rick myself and, I, and I, a lot of my other friends we went out and we jammed like what better thing is there than that and then afterwards we went to mcdonald's <laughs> and uh, they got me this little cake it was hilarious so a very informal birthday uh, lots of music lots of fun and that's what it's all about. So uh, yeah, if you do enjoy the podcast, please give it a thumbs up if you're watching on iTunes. A massive thanks also to all my Patreon subscribers. I don't plug Patreon much. I only do it on this and Guitar Search Saturdays. Uh, but yeah, they've been a huge supporter of the channel and it helps it move forwards. It helps with the upgrades, all that kind of stuff as well. So thank you so much, guys. You know, the support's been it's overwhelmingly good. And coming up with Patreon too, I may have some news about that. But if you want to see what's coming up on the channel, you know, ahead of time, and if you like my backing tracks, you can download them there for free. Well, for free, for two bucks or whatever it is you want to sign up for. So, yeah, I'll leave some links in the description below. You can check them out. Thanks again for watching. My name's Shane, and I will catch you on the next one. See ya.